Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Your host, Josh, here. Today, I'll be talking about Debo Samuel requesting a trade, what's next for him and his market, then into the NBA, a lot to cover. Devin Book is now, or Devin Booker, D-Book, who was initially slated to just miss games three and four, underwent further MRIs, turns out two to three weeks with his hamstring injury. What does this mean for the Suns? And then another injury. Chris Middleton, injured for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, This is an MCL sprain. A little longer, three to four weeks. The two teams that made the NBA Finals, you know, they're tied right now in their series 1-1. Both lose star players. Can they overcome it? Then the Celtics take a commanding 2-0 lead on the Nets. Is this a big deal or not? And then the 76ers take a 3-0 lead on the Raptors, Joel Embiid, with a clutch late shot. Then I'll finish with my top five teams in Major League Baseball right now. So let's get started with Debo Samuel requesting a trade. And I saw this boiling over uh, for a while now. Talked about this in my previous few podcasts, dating back to last week, that a trade for Debo Samuel, you know, it could happen, you know, if he's requesting more money, whatever it may be. But I could see this realistically happening. And the day has come where he has requested a trade. Uh, like I said, he scrubbed his social media. That was the first sign. People saying, it doesn't mean anything. Well, like I said, it does mean something. Then he's not attending the programs that they have, the offseason programs. So now, you know, entering the final year of his rookie contract, he wants more money. And I've got to say this, Christian Kirk screwed it up for everybody. The Jaguars get 50% of the blame. Christian Kirk gets 50%. They deserve the blame. They screwed up the multiverse. And I'm going to be making a lot of Marvel references. Uh, My next few podcasts, I've been doing a long Marvel marathon for the past two months. Every show, movie, to prepare myself for Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness. Christian Kirk screwed it up because... He's basically like the guy, uh, like Sylvie, who killed, you know, he who remains and opened up, you know, the multiverse back up with the multiversal war. And you have these scenarios now. Everything was going fine with the wide receiver market. You had the people that earned their money getting paid, uh, you know, like DeAndre Hopkins. But then you get Christian Kirk getting like four years, 84 million, which, you know, pre-bonus is like 18 and then if everything's good it's 21 million and he was like the second highest paid wide receiver and everybody decided to have a problem with it because he's not that good Christian Kirk is not that guy so when everybody wanted money that opened up the playing field Devontae Adams got a bright new contract and his was the biggest for a day then Tyreek Hill saw that and said, I'm next. And guess what? Both those wide receivers were traded. Devontae Adams got traded and got his brand new contract. Tyreek Hill was traded and got his brand new contract. Stephon Diggs restructured his contract to earn more money. Cooper Cup says he wants a new fair deal. Well, what does fair entitle? Because if it's fair, you're the arguably the best wide receiver in football this past season. Uh, To me, you were not the best, but statistically, you had one of the best seasons ever. If not the best, is a wide receiver. So you have that getting a fair deal. Debo Samuel, he knows he's better than Christian Kirk. He played like a top five wide receiver this year. He wants that money too, and he wants to get traded. So there you go. Thank Christian Kirk. For screwing up the wide receiver contract extension group, like opening up a multiverse. 
You have Christian Kirk and the Jacksonville Jaguars to blame for this. So Debo wants a trade. And like I said, this is not going to end up well for either the 49ers or the or Debo Samuel himself. Why? The 49ers need Debo. He is their top dog. He's their wide receiver. And they also use him in the backfield. He is the wide back, claimed wide back role. He, I thought he was thriving in that role. He invented the word. He wanted to be used as a wide back. Wants some money to be paid like a wide back. That's where he has the leverage. And there was reports that, you know, he wants to trade and he wants to be used exclusively as a wide receiver to add years on to his life because he knows that running backs have a short shelf life in the NFL. Well, guess what, Debo? What makes you unique and cool and fun to watch is that multi-purpose role where you can take the ball as a running back on a halfback dive and turn it up the field for 20 yards or take a toss or a pitch to the house for a touchdown. You have, you're like the ultimate fear weapon. You don't know where it's going to be lined up a jet sweep or it's just an easy screen. You are that guy. But when you take away those snaps of a running back, uh, guess what? You're not that unique anymore, are you? Uh, your total yards, your scrimmage yards that, you know, you had close to 2,000, if not 2,000, that goes down. Your touchdown total goes down. Everything goes down. And it works well in the San Francisco 49er offense because there's a balance to everything. To me, I love the 49ers offense because it's like Thanos says. Everything is balanced perfectly like it should be. They run the ball a ton. They pass a ton. They have play action. It opens it all up. To me, it is the most balanced offense in the NFL, where it's not Derrick Henry, Tennessee tight end run heavy. It's not the Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Bucks pass heavy. It is perfectly balanced, fun to watch. And Debo Samuel is the key. So it's deserving to get that money from the 49ers. But if you're requesting a trade to go to the New York Jets or the Dallas Cowboys, you don't, you're not going to get that kind of money if you want to be exclusively a wide receiver. I still think you should get your money. But I will not pay you more than Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, because those are better wide receivers than you. Now, if you want to be used in your cool multi-purpose role, I'll pay you their money. I might pay you more if you're going to do more for me as an offense. But if you're going to limit me and say, no, we're not doing that, then no, I'm not maxing you out whatsoever. So no, no, Debo, you're in the wrong here. You should stay with the 49ers. Any team you go to that has a cap space, you're not going to be in a good situation. You'll get your money, but you won't be in a winning situation. Last time I checked, you wanted to win a Super Bowl. You were the last one off the field. You watched the Rams celebrate uh, their championship game. You were there crying. You want to go back. You go to the Jets, you ain't ever going back. You go to the Cowboys, you ain't ever going back. You go to a team like the Colts or any of these middle-of-the-pack teams looking to get there, you're not going back. The 49ers are your best shot, unless you want to get traded to a good team, which I'll talk about that soon. But Debo, the 49ers are your best bet. Now, if you want to win, I'll tell you a team you can go to. Come on over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Come on over to Tommy and Gronk, because I know he'll resign soon, and Mike Evans and the Sunshine. You'll get used however you want. Tom Brady will make sure it happens and he'll advocate for you. I'll, you know, I'll give the 49ers Chris Godwin in a first-round pick. And we'll take Debo off your hands. So that's my one trade scenario that I would like to see. Yes, that's a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys 
will trade for him because they don't want to spend any money. They gave Dak a brand new shiny contract last year and now don't have the money to sign Debo to that deal. To me, the Colts make the most sense because they have the money and the draft capital good to go out and trade for a Debo Samuel. So I could see that trade happening where you get a Devontae Adams like uh, draft back where you get a first round, two first round picks, a second round pick, or a Tyreek Hill, you know, a couple firsts and then some fourth or fifths and something like that. But Debo has requested a trade. I don't think it's a smart move. I think he should stay with the Niners. Uh, and he has to decide really what he wants and make that up. Does he want to be a wide back? Does he want to be an exclusive wide receiver? Because to me, he just wants to be a wide receiver. He's got to prove it one more time. It helps having your breakout year, you know, in conjunction with your contract year as well. And he lucked out. But I would like to see that one more time. I don't know if Debo can replicate this success on any other team. I think he is a system-wide receiver. That system works perfectly with the San Francisco 49ers. Now moving on to the NBA. Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year. I just want to give a quick shout-out, congratulations to him before moving on. I thought it was uh, deserving, uh, especially over the finals that were named, the Mikael Bridges, Rudy Gobert. I thought Marcus Smart was the obvious choice uh, to win that once the finalists were named. I'm glad that he won. Next up, Devin Booker out two to three weeks with a hamstring uh, pull. Initially, it was supposed to be, you know, games three and four. Upgraded now to two to three weeks with that hamstring injury. This is a big deal. This uh, is not good news for the uh, Phoenix Suns. Because with him out two to three weeks, he's missing the rest of the Pelican series and is very likely to miss the next series as well against the Jazz or the Mavericks. I don't think the Suns can win without Devin Booker, can advance without Devin Booker. I just don't. He's their MVP. He's their best player. He's the one averaging, you know, 25, you know, 5 and 5 or whatever it is. That's what he's doing. Uh, He's a team MVP. He's got the best shot. He's their second best defender. Uh, He can go get his own shot as well. He doesn't need Chris Paul passing him the ball, setting him plays. Devin Booker can do it all for the Suns offense. He is the key cog. And if Devin Booker didn't get injured, I believe they would have beat the Pelicans. He had 31 and a half. He had, you know, the logo three right before time expired at the buzzer. And then now uh, he's out. And I saw what he did in the second half. Nobody could make a shot. Uh, No one. Jay Crowder has just been awful in the first two games. Uh, Awful. I believe he's only made two shots combined in the first two games. He's not been good. Chris Paul has was good the first game, carried the team late, but the second game that they just played, he could not find his shot. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, you know, played all right. He's going to have to step up. Uh, Cam Johnson is going to have to play better. The team as a whole is going to have to play better. Players are going to have to step up. And now with Devin Booker being gone, guess what? You can't have McHale and Devin Booker guard Brandon Ingram or C.J. McCollum. It's now going to be one or the other that McHale Bridges is going to guard. So it makes it very difficult on this Suns team. Suns team, I thought, would go to the Western Conference Finals. But now that's in jeopardy with the Suns losing Devin Booker. It's a possibility they can now get ousted in the first round returning to... New Orleans, it's 
a very real possibility. I think the Pelicans can win this series without Devin Booker. They are playing great. They are ascending. They have shown in the last couple games a clutchness, winning close games, winning a close game against the Suns in the play-in game, you know, winning the games against the Spurs and then coming back and beating the Clippers. Pelicans have shown grit, toughness, what you want to see in a playoff team. The Pelicans are doing it, and I believe the Pelicans beat the Phoenix Suns now without Devin Booker because Devin Booker is so important to that team. And to me, Chris Paul is not that guy. We put Chris Paul on some kind of great point guard, Mount Rushmore type pedestal of point guards, and he is not that guy. I hear so many people say that Chris Paul is a top five point guard of all time, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Further from the truth, the best point guard of all time is Magic Johnson. Multiple MVPs, All-Stars, five championships, finals MVPs, league MVPs. He's done it all. Unequivocally, the best point guard to play the game. Another best point guard who's playing right now, Steph Curry. Unanimous MVP, back-to-back MVPs, three trips, you know, four trips to the finals, three times winning it. The greatest shooter of all time to that list. Then you got Isaiah Thomas, who beat MJ in the Bulls a couple times, beat the Lakers with Magic Johnson, has a couple of chips as well. John Stockton, another one who was great, who went to two finals uh, with the Jazz and unfortunately lost because Michael Jordan was that guy, but great defensive player, nine-time assist champ, nine years in a row he was that. Uh, One of the greatest point guards, just true point guards of just passing the ball of all time to me better than Chris Paul. And then to me, the one that gets left out, sadly so much, is Oscar Robinson, the big O, the original Mr. Triple-Double. And to me, Oscar Robertson should still hold that crown because even though Russell Westbrook is Mr. Triple-Double right now, you could have an argument that he's Mr. Quadruple-Double with the turnovers or Mr. Turnover because Oscar Robertson did not do that. So much gets lost and that, guess what? His rookie season, he was an all-star. All-NBA, and was that for 11 consecutive years as an All-NBA, 12 consecutive years as an All-Star, you know, Rookie of the Year, uh, six-time assist champ, you know, was a league MVP, won an NBA championship there in Milwaukee in 71 with uh, Kareem. So Oscar Robinson doesn't get a lot of respect, and he is a top-five point guard of all time. Chris Paul is not on that list, and that's why Chris Paul has never been able to win any games in the playoffs, win finals, when he's had great teammates. Oscar Robertson had a great teammate in Kareem, won it. John Stockton, great teammate in Carl Malone. He at least got to it a few times, multiple times. Uh, Magic Johnson, like I said, won a few. Isaiah won a few. And Chris Paul won appearance, which was last year with Devin Booker, Devin Booker, and he's had good teammates before. He had prime James Harden, couldn't get to the finals. Uh, he had Lob City with Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Doc Rivers as a head coach. In uh, there, you're one time with the Suns, and it could be just a one-time fluke, you know, or a one-hit wonder. I don't see the Suns getting back to the finals, or with an aging Chris Paul leading them as well. Now, he's a great point guard. I'll put him top 10. But the fact that so many people put him top 5 is disrespectful to the game of basketball and disrespectful to the actual all-time greats. That's why I have the Suns, who I thought would make the Western Conference Finals, but the Devin Booker injury adds a lot of layers, complexes it. And I think the Pelicans win this series now. And if the Suns do... Find a way to win, it'll be it for them next series. If they don't have Devin Booker available for the majority of the games, four or more. Then, 
Grizzlies, T-Wolves. You have Game 3 tonight. Game 2 was a big one for the Grizzlies down 1-0. John Morant posting his Michael Jordan uh, story. You know, it's just one game. Uh, and Memphis, Ja backed it up with a 30-point win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, opening quarter was close, but from then on, it was domination by Memphis. They set the tone. Uh, it was great because everybody was involved. John Morant led the, his team with 23 points, was efficient 9-16. Desmond Bain got in on the action. Jaron Jackson avoided foul trouble, played great defense, uh, was in rhythm offensively. Uh, Brandon Clark as well, Xavier Tillman, uh, Zaire Williams. This team was loaded three starters in double figures and four players off the bench in double figures. That is the key to success when you're shooting near 50%, when you're holding your opponent to 40% from the field, 30% from three. That is the key uh, to success. Memphis, this is the Memphis team that I was used to seeing all season, that I saw majority of the season. And that's why I believe Memphis is going to go on. You know, like I said, they are going to win this series. Tonight they play the Grizzlies. It's game three. In that like Memphis uh, to win this game, oddsmakers have it close. Two-point favorite Minnesota. Uh, ESPN's BPI Basketball Power Index has Memphis flip, uh favored by 0.3%. But I'm rolling with Memphis covering this game. Uh, I got no problem with it. Memphis Grizzlies are one of the best teams in basketball. Much better uh, than the Timberwolves offensively when they're locked in defensively avoiding foul trouble. There's a reason why Grizzlies, you know, were the second best team in the NBA. Had the second best record, 56-26. and 26 were good against the top teams like the Suns, the Warriors, uh, the Bucks. You know, it's because they have incredible depth, incredible chemistry, great offensively, great defensively. And I think that one Timberwolves game, their opening loss, was just an outlier. This is the real Minnesota Timberwolves team. I mean, this is the real Memphis Grizzlies team. They are for real. They are beating the Timberwolves again tonight. Mavericks and Jazz also tonight. And I believe the Mavericks stole game two. Couldn't believe it. Just like how I thought, you know, Utah kind of stole game one. Flip-flop this time. You know, Jazz, you know, held the lead uh, there going into the fourth quarter. Held the lead after the second quarter. After the third quarter, you know, a four-point lead or whatever, it's a four-point lead. But guess what? And there was no Luka. But you let Jalen Brunson go off for a 41-piece. You let Max Kleber come off a bench for 25. That ain't sliding. Rudy Gobert, where are you at? You should not deserve any defensive player consideration because you can't guard out on the perimeter. To save your life, you are not that guy. You are not a versatile defender. You are a rock, a statue, a bum. I don't want to hear no more of his Rudy Gobert talk at all. I'm with Shaq on this one, and I will stand with Shaq forever on this one. Now, how come Rudy Gobert, who averages 11 points, is a not great offensive player, and when the moment shines the brightest, isn't great defensively, how does that man get $211 million? How does he get that contract extension? Because he has not lived up to it. He hasn't played up to it. The only thing notable that Rudy Gobert has ever done is that he caused the COVID-19 pandemic outbreak in the NBA. Uh, let's get real. You know, he was the first one traced and found what COVID-19 that he then passed on to everyone. So, uh, to me, that's his most memorable moment in the NBA, other than, you know, the Clippers series last year where he really folded like a cheap suit. But 
he shows it yet again against the Mavericks, where Donovan Mitchell was not efficient at all. 13 to 30, ain't going to get it done, but you still put up 34. Bogdanovich put up 25. Clarkson, great off the bench with 21. Defensively, has to be better. And guess who sets the tone for that? Rudy Gobert sets the tone for that. They've got to do better. Now I'm worried about my Jazz pick. Even though we're back in Utah, and to be, to me, the loudest arena in the NBA where it went crazy last year. Will it be as crazy again? They don't have the best record like they did last year. Not as good as a team. Luka Doncic is coming back. How he's going to feel with that ankle. Uh, that is still to be determined. I'm still nervous about that, especially if Luka comes back right now and he plays great. It's over for the Jazz. I need the Jazz to win this game. I'm predicting the Jazz to win this game. And I think I'm relying more on my heart and my original pick than my head because I am not in love with this pick, but I am going with the Utah Jazz uh, to win this. And I do not know how on earth they are a six-and-a-half-point favorite to win this game. Maybe somebody knows something that I don't, and they'll win and cover. But I just don't see the Jazz winning by seven plus tonight. I just don't. If Jazz win, you know, I have more faith in the Mavericks uh, to win by seven plus than I do the Jazz at this point in this series. Then the Warriors Nuggets. Warriors obliterated the Nuggets yet again in game two, won by another uh, 20 piece. Great performance all around. Steph Curry, guess what, came off the bench again. And in 23 minutes, he was able to take the most shots. 12 of 17, 34 points was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Who else was phenomenal? Followed up his game one. Great showing. Jordan Poole, 10 of 16. Another 5 of 10 from 3. 29 points. Another tremendous performance. Clay Thompson got involved with 21 points. When those three are on, the lethal three, the lethal protector, it's over. It is over. Uh, with Draymond Green playing that defense, I'm fine with Draymond having six points. Uh, you know, if he's playing his heart out on the defensive end on Jokic, you know, Jokic had 26 points, but you look at his efficiency, hasn't made a three. 9 of 20 from a field, that's under 50%. That's not good. Draymond Green is doing his job and getting in Jokic's head. Jokic, another double technical, two technicals, got ejected yet again. You know, when there's still, you know, 8, 10 minutes left in the ball game in the fourth quarter. Yes, you're down by 20, but he gets ejected yet again. Guess what? He's not that guy. Jokic should not be the league MVP. In no world should Nikola Jokic be MVP. It amazes me that people want to throw out player efficiency rating. He's the most efficient player. Uh, you know, he's got the highest player efficiency rating of all time in a single season. He's He is that guy. Well, when I watch him play, he's never that guy. Uh and again, again, I don't watch. I don't have league pass, so I don't watch every Nuggets game. I'm never going to watch any Nuggets game because they're not fun to watch. They're a boring team, not exciting. Uh, and then when the Nuggets are on a prime time slot, guess what? I see them get blown out or lose, and I don't see Jokic make the plays like I see Joel Embiid, another big man, make. Nikola Jokic is not that guy. Again, it would be a crime, a crime, if Jokic wins MVP this year. It would show a couple things. Like we talked about the college football playoff system right now and how flawed it is. If Jokic wins MVP, whoever's on this panel of voters, it's deeply flawed, worrisome, and troublesome that Jokic would win another MVP. Uh, it, it honestly would be embarrassing for the NBA as well if Jokic wins another MVP. Uh, 
embarrassing. He shouldn't win one. Uh, doesn't deserve it. Uh, one is good enough for the guy. Can we agree? You had your time last year. Now get out the way. You're never going to be the face of the NBA. You're never going to be the greatest star in the NBA. You're never going to be the best player on the planet discussion NBA because you're just not that guy. So we can we not give this award to this person and please give it to anyone else. Uh, if we're going to go by deserving, let's go to Joel. If we're going to go to best, let's give it to Giannis. But for whatever sake it is, whoever sake it is, please don't hand it to Nikola Jokic again. We've had enough. I've had enough. He's about to get swept by the Warriors. And I believe any team that would have played the Nuggets would have swept them. The Suns would sweep the Nuggets. Oh, right. They did that last year. Is that right? Oh, yeah. If my memory recalls correctly, Chris Paul annihilated the Nuggets. And by himself, basically, Devin Booker helped out. But that was Chris Paul's shining series last year. Nuggets folded. The Grizzlies. Grizzlies would sweep them, too. Mavericks, yeah. I think the Mavericks with a healthy Luka would sweep the Nuggets. And the Jazz, I won't say sweep, but the Jazz would beat the Nuggets. So, yes, every team in the league in the Western playoffs is better somehow it's ahead of them. Then the Nuggets are a reason why they're the sixth seed. It's because Jokic isn't that good. He can't carry them above a sixth seed because he's not that guy. And that's why tonight, I believe the Warriors are winning for by another 20-plus. To me, it's criminal that the Warriors are only favored by two points. Uh, take that, please. I don't know how Denver's even favored either by the BPI, 65 to 35. Something doesn't make sense because the Warriors, Steph Curry playing great, Jordan Poole playing great. Uh, the Warriors will win this game uh, tonight. Denver is not that team. Jokic is not that guy. Warriors, get him a dub tonight. Then what else has happened in the NBA? Yesterday. The Celtics take a 2-0 series lead on the Nets, which to me was brilliant. You know, the Nets built up a 17-point lead at one point. Celtics cut it down, you know, you know, working away, get to the third quarter. The Nets are up by five now. That 17-point lead evaporated. And then in the fourth quarter, the Celtics take over, outscore them 29 to 17 in the fourth quarter. Rally beat them 114, 107. Jason Tatum, not his most efficient game ever. None of these guys. They grinded this one out. Every single player, other than one, Derek White, had double figures. Every player but played, Jason Tatum, double figures. Al Horford was hot last night, but only had 16 points. Thice, 15. Marcus Smart, 12. Jalen Brown, 22. Grant Williams, 17. Baden Pritchard, 10. All double figure. And last night, Kyrie Irving, abysmal. 10 points. Didn't make one three-pointer. 4 of 13 from the field. Wasn't good. Kevin Durant was terrible. 4 of 17 from the field. Yes, he got 27 points. A lot of that came off the free throw line. Kevin Durant. Everybody that I listen to consistently on various sports uh, hosts, most people claim Kevin Durant is the best player on the planet, if not arguably the best, you know, he's right there. To me, I've never said he's the best player. So now this is the moment, like in um, Black Panther, where Killmonger tells T'Challa in the crowd, is this your king? Is this your best player on the planet? You know, do they make a Space Jam movie about Kevin Durant? Because when the Martians are coming down to Earth and they're going to face the best player in basketball, guess who it's been? It's been one Michael Jordan and one LeBron James. If I had, you know, to leave my life in the hands of Kevin Durant to win a pickup basketball game, 
I might as well kill myself uh, because Kevin Durant will then do it for me uh, with how bad he plays uh, in big games. You know, and it's not that he doesn't get points. It's that he's inefficient. He won't play the defense, can't facilitate. When 18 of your 27 points are on the free throw line, that's a clear problem. Kevin Durant is not the best player on the planet. For so long, as long as I've been alive, it's been LeBron James. Until recently, Giannis has kind of snuck his way in. Kevin Durant has never been that guy. The only reason we talk about Kevin Durant in such high esteem is because his team, the Oklahoma City Thunder originally, were up 3-1 to one on the Golden State Warriors. Up 3-1. And they blow a 3-1 series lead to the Warriors. They lose it. And then the Warriors have a 3-1 series lead on the Cavs. And they blew it to the LeBron James. And then you got, after that series, Draymond crying, you know, at the parking lot, calling Durant, we got to link up, we got to meet. You know, a week later, they're at the Hamptons together. And Kevin Durant, at the time, forms the greatest super team of all time, a team that won 73 games, the best regular season record ever. He then joins that team, who already won a chip with the coexisting team and lost in a Game 7. The Warriors are going back here, but they add Kevin Durant to make him unstoppable. And the only reason we talk about Kevin Durant in such high esteem is because he won two finals there. If he would have stayed or gone anywhere else, he'd have zero finals. And we wouldn't be talking about Kevin Durant in the light we are talking about him now. And it shows that without that amazing you know, one of the best teams, if not the best team of all time in the 2017 Warriors, which he was on, that, guess what? Other than that, his career has relatively been a failure outside of the Warriors. With the Thunder, lost in the finals to LeBron James, couldn't ever get back. With the Nets so far, we're looking at a couple first-round exits. So, And then losing to Giannis in a big series where Giannis outplayed you so we've had times where LeBron's outplayed you in multiple finals, even though LeBron lost one of those series. LeBron lost a couple of those series. I believe LeBron outplayed you the first time instead of the second time. And then Kevin Durant, you know, has been outplayed by Giannis when he got to the East. So the Nets are not that team. I picked the Nets to win thinking that, you know, the Celtics, you know, kind of play a great year, you know, new calendar year 2022. Uh, but I thought, hey, Kevin Durant, Kyrie will get it going. Guess what? The Boston Celtic defense, it's legit. It's right there. It's the number one defense. And Kevin Durant can't do anything. It's sad. It's, well, it's not really sad. I'm kind of enjoying watching it because I don't like rooting for Kevin Durant or the Nets. I'm rooting for the Celtics. And it just makes me happy that Boston Celtics are winning, and I hope that they sweep them. Another team in danger of actually getting swept, the Toronto Raptors last night lost lost in overtime to a last-second Joel Embiid clutch three. It was amazing what Joel Embiid yesterday uh, did. You had uh, James Harden. Foul out with 19 points, and Joel Embiid take over the game in overtime, make a mid-range jumper uh, on it, you know, was tremendous. And then the final dagger, which was the buzzer beater at the end with, you know, like two seconds left on the game clock, like .7 left on the shot clock, just did like a 180 uh, spin and throw it up there and make the shot, you know, was tremendous. Joel Embiid, to me, I know the MVP does not carry over to the postseason, but if it did, that's your MVP shot. As he said, that's the best game winner, buzzer beater shot he's ever hit in his life. That's number one. 
I agree. Fantastic game by Joel Embiid. I mean, I got to give credit to the Raptors because it's not like they played poorly. Uh, Gary Trent played good. OG Ananobi, I thought, had a good game uh, as well. Fred Van Fleet, you know, could have played better, but down the stretch there, he hit a big three. Uh, and then on the other side, Tyrese Maxey, good. James Harden was a little bit more efficient, but it was none other than Joel Embiid himself. Uh, that, you know, is a reason why they are up 3-0 on the Toronto Raptors and why they will probably sweep them. That's a demoralizing loss for Toronto. Uh, that's not one uh, you can overcome. So... Congratulations to the Sixers for moving on to the second round. It's unofficial, but it's official at the same time. And then also, surprisingly, you had the Bulls beat the Milwaukee Bucks. DeMar DeRozan said, guess what, when he went 6 of 25 shooting, that that ain't happening again. I didn't believe him. I guess I should uh, because he was right that he wasn't going to do that again. Instead, he was 16 of 31 from the field, dropped 41 points, was the best player on the court last night. I thought Giannis was great. 33 and 18. It was everything he needed to be, but DeMar DeRozan simply was better. Vucevic, 24 points. Zach Levine, 20 Caruso playing defense for crucial charge there at the end on Giannis. Drawing that, I mean, the Bucks played great. Every starter in double digits. Drew Holiday, Wesley Matthews, Brooks Lopez, fantastic. Bulls, I mean, the Bucks could have won this game. Uh, got down, you know, in the hole early to DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls. Sometimes that just happens. Uh, but the bigger concern here is Chris Middleton. Uh, their starting small forward who is now out, you know, three to four weeks with a sprained MCL. That's a big injury. Chris Middleton is clutch, is a closer for this team. So to lose Chris Middleton is big. I think they can beat the Bulls in this series. Uh, but like the Suns, I don't know if they can advance once they get out, out past the Bulls. It's going to be very difficult uh, to sustain that and win every round without Chris Middleton. Uh, I believe that they can get to the NBA Finals uh, without Chris Middleton, but the road, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, it is. So it's going to be interesting now to see how they adapt uh, without Chris Middleton, but that, you know, is a very sizable loss to the defending reigning champions. And last NBA note is the Heat beat the Hawks as well. Uh, wasn't surprising. Jimmy Butler dropped a 45-point piece on him. It was great. It's something I love to watch is, you know, the three teams, you know, I'm not rooting particularly for one team to win it all, but I am actively rooting for three teams not to win it all. One being the Suns, the other the Hawks, and the other the Nets. So far, the Nets and Hawks series are going great. Uh, he are up 2-0 on them. I think they're going to take the 3-0 series lead as well. Trey Young has looked quite terrible. And like I said, he's had great, you know, great games. But to me, every great game that he has, he matches it with an equally Bad game. And then the playoffs when you're facing the best of the best. This ain't the Philadelphia 76ers of the last year with Ben Simmons being afraid to shoot the ball. That isn't this team. This is Jimmy Butler. This is Duncan Robinson, the Michigan man. This is going to be six-man-of-the-year Tyler Hero and should have been defensive player of the year nominated. Bam out of bio. These are men you're playing with. These aren't the boys and Ben Simmons and such like that, where you can shake them and they're scared. No, these are hardened men who grinded it out to get the one seed. And if they think, and if actually Trey Young, if you think they are afraid of you, a little six-foot man that is balding, 
balding, losing your hair, if they think that you're afraid of them, no, you're mistaken. You can instill fear into Ben Simmons. You know, you can instill fear in Jimmy Butler. That's right. That's why the Heat are winning the series, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win tomorrow night and then finish the series off on Sunday, the week-to-week clean sweep. That's what I'm calling it. Started the series last Sunday with the dub. Let's finish the series this Sunday with another dub. Week-to-week sleep. Week-to-week sweep. Now, finally, I'm going to rank my top five teams right now in Major League Baseball. We're about, you know, 15-ish, you know, a little less than 15 games uh, into the baseball season. It's already shaping up to be exciting. So here are my top five teams. Number five is the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes, they are number one. In the AL East, it's been very tight, but they have scored uh, 49 runs so far. I think this is a team that is legit uh, with their lineup, you know, in Vladimir Guerrero, who's hitting like the Blue Jays expected, you know, five home runs in the first 11 games. Uh, You know, this team can hit the ball. That's why I got faith in Toronto being the top team in the AL East, and that's why we're number five right now. Number four, surprisingly, the St. Louis Cardinals, 7-3, and three, split their series with Milwaukee, a big, big start. Uh, Albert Pujols also off to a good start. It's going to be his last hurrah. And guess what? They are also averaging the most home runs per game. So that is all a factor uh, for success, and it's what's making the St. Louis Cardinals tick and make them one of the best teams right now. Number three. Oh, old faithful. The San Francisco Giants. They were the class of the class to my MLB power rankings last year. Consistently ranked number one. Here they are back again at number three, surprisingly. Eight and four. You know, Logan Webb was playing great. Finally had his loss yesterday. But this lineup, this veteran lineup, Never ceases to amaze, uh, like I said, 8-4, and four, great team uh, as well, great run differential at plus 23, one of the tops in the league uh, right there, and San Francisco, who didn't start out hot, you know, but they've won seven of their last 10 games, started off, you know, you know, one and one. Then you win seven, not too bad. Number two, my New York Mets, nine and four, you know, differential, plus 26, 61 runs, one of the best starting pitching rotations in all of baseball. Sorry, Jacob DeGrom, you know, you're needed, but at the same time, you're not needed right now because my rotations had one ERA through 10 games, which is great, Max Scherzer. Three wins. Carlos Carrasco is playing great. Francisco Lindor hitting home runs, walk-off hits. Pete Alonso hitting home runs. This team led by Buckshow Walter. This is my team to beat. But I won't give up a one spot yet. I wanted to put them at number one. But I will still give it to the Dodgers who have the most lethal lineup from top to bottom. And like many, I thought their starting pitching was going to be the biggest, you know, iffy scenario. But guess what? 2.3 ERA. Clayton Kershaw's been good. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, good. Andrew Heaney, you know, Andrew Heaney, was he terrible with the Yankees last year? Yes, he was. He was flat out awful. I wanted him gone so bad. And guess what? He obviously found new life in L.A., uh, you know, didn't give up a run in his first, you know, 11 innings. So, which is great because it proves a point to me that the Yankees, who I rooted for for so long, you know, they bring in talent, good guys that are like, hey, those are players, you know, teams play R1. It's not, you know, the big name. It's not the Freddie Freeman. 
but they bring in very, very good middle-of-the-pack guys that with uh, the right training, the right situation, they could be right up there and be very valuable pieces. But with Aaron Boone as your manager, you will never get the maximum potential out of any of your players. You just won't. When did John Carlos Stanton have his best year ever? It was with the Miami Marlins, not even on the Yankees. When did Aaron Judge have his best season ever? Oh, it was his rookie year? Oh, the manager was Joe Girardi, not Aaron Boone. Same with Gary Sanchez. His great years were with Girardi. They shipped him out last year. Uh, Aaron Boone could not get the better of him. Andrew Heaney, great player, traded for him last year, had to give him up. Garrett Cole, great with the Houston Astros. Cy Young, you know, dominant pitcher. I looked at him and thought, this is the best pitcher in baseball right now. Now with the Yankees and Aaron Boone, having a couple down years, he just gave up like 42 pitches in the game against the Detroit Tigers because he's not that guy, which shows that, you know, Dodgers, they're the number one team right now, and it shows that the Yankees, their management, their coaches are terrible. They're abysmal failures. They should all be fired. Somehow they got new contracts this offseason. Makes zero sense to me. I wish I could be as bad as my job at um, as Aaron Boone and get paid that much. Uh, and I also want to give a shout-out to everybody who makes memes and has made memes about the Baker Mayfield situation because I love it. I know I talked about it a couple weeks ago, but how he said that he would like to go to everybody's offices in their cubicle and boo them, it's absurd. Because then, you know, you see the memes of, you know, Baker, you know, when people are booing him on the field, but he goes home crying and he's wiping away his tears with all his $100 bills that he has because he earned because he's a millionaire. Guess what? If I sucked at my job as much as Baker did, but I got paid $20 million, you wanted to come over to boo me? but I still got 20 million, that would be fine with me. I'd invite people over to boo me as long as I'm cashing in that check. So Baker, nobody really feels any sympathy or pity for you. So please shut up. How about you get better at your job and then you won't have to get booed anymore because you're still making more money than a lot of people. Although that might not be the case since nobody seems to want you in the NFL right now, which if none of the teams want you, seems to be a you problem, Baker. This has been Get Your Go. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.